This is the Connection Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Everything seemed really quiet in here until I started speaking, and now it seems really loud all of a sudden. That's all right. I like it loud. I'm going to be loud today. It's going to be, it's going to be one of those days. Um, yeah. Thanks, worship team. Thanks, Chris. Uh, thanks, Nick. Everybody just knocking it out of the park and doing amazing things. We're just grateful for having such a great team around. And oh, yeah, it's good to be with you. Good to be able to worship together. Good to have everybody that's joining us online and, and through the live stream or, or through uh, YouTube or Facebook or whenever you're watching this somewhere in the future. Listen, God is not restricted by time, right? I, it, there's a lot of things that I want to get into today. There's way too many things that I want to get into today, so um, we'll see how much of it. But I am full. I am, I am filled up to the brim, and, and I just believe that God has a lot to say to us. And I believe that God is doing something in this time, right now, that is beyond the norm, right? Everybody say, the norm. Say, bye-bye, Norm. Right? We're, this, is, this is not cheers. We're, hey, Norm. No, this is bye-bye, Norm. See you later, Norm, because Norm is out of here. Right? The, the, God is not up to normal. He, he's not up to just keeping things status quo, keeping things the way they've always been. Because, God, well, the truth is God has never been in that business. Right? Nothing that God created stays the way it is forever. Everything changes. Everything is always evolving and always changing and always reconstructing and always recreating. And, and that's what God does. And, and when we understand that, when we begin to live into that possibility, that opportunity that God gives us to join in on the recreation of what God is doing, then, then, we're, then we're able to face disruptions, right? We're able to face disruptions with a different attitude. And the truth is, attitude is everything, right? Attitude is everything. It don't matter what you're doing, what you're going through, what, what's happening to you or around you, attitude is everything. How you view it, your perspective, the, the way that you look at things is, is how, you, right? So, so it's really important that we think about, not only think about what you're thinking about, you know, I've said that, I say that a lot, think about what you're thinking about, but think about how you're thinking about what you're thinking about. Are you thinking about it with the right attitude? Are you thinking about it with a right perspective? And, and I believe that in this time in our culture, we live in an amazing culture right now. We live in an amazing opportunity. You're like, have you watched the news like, have you seen what's going on out there? Have you seen how churned up and messed up and broken everything is? Yes, I have. Praise the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. You can't make scrambled eggs. How many of y'all like scrambled eggs? Well, you got to break them and you got to chop them all up, right? You got to beat them up before they become something that you like. So listen, the, the thing that's happening in our culture right now, if we have the right attitude about it, if we have the right perspective, if we view it from a God perspective, which is so much bigger than our little limited way of thinking. Come on. Our little limited way of thinking makes us inward focused. It, makes, it, it causes us to shut down. It causes us to resist anything that's that's coming at us, and, and, it, and it, re, it reduces our capacity to experience the fullness of what it is that God has for us. That's what I want us to get a hold of, is that God wants you to experience the fullness of the life that He's given to you. The life that He's called you into, right here. Right? Come on. I preached a very risky sermon and I didn't get hardly any feedback about it, which makes me believe that some of you just weren't paying attention to the craziness that I was saying a while back. But I preached that I believe that God knew us before we were born here on this planet. Now, the reason I believe that is because my Bible tells me so, right? 
and I believe what the Word of God says. I believe that I knew God before I came into this place. And I believe that when God called my name in this place, the reason that I responded to it is because it was a familiar voice. It was a voice that I had known for eternity past. That's some, that's some crazy theology right there. Right? That's like, woo, this preacher out of, out of control over here. No, no, no. See, the Scripture is what is... Here, here's, 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 my, here's what I want to say. We have gotten our thinking so under control that we can't follow the out-of-control God that is of Scripture. Right? God is anything but in control, in our control, under our control. Right? We can't fit God into our nice, neat little box, our ni- nice, neat little theologies, and our nice, neat little doctrines, and our nice little statements, and, and our nice little things that we come up with to make God more tame. No, God, God is described as a mighty rushing wind. He is a consuming fire. Have you ever tried to contain a consuming fire? Have you ever tried to contain a little campfire? A little stove fire? You don't contain fire, right? Fire's got a mind of its own. It does a different thing. And and so when we understand that our God is so much bigger than our nice, neat little theologies and our nice, neat little doctrines and our nice, neat little rules and boundaries that we put on him and say, oh, he can only do this. God will only do that. God can only do this. No, listen, every time you put one of those on him, he's going to break it down. It's just what he does. He loves doing it, I think. So when we think about disruptions in our lives, when we think about disruptions in our lives, I want you to, I want you to wrap your head around this one thought right here today. Is this, is that God brings, rush, God brings disruption into your life to set you free from something. That's the title of my sermon. Next slide. Be set free. Be set free. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's, it's an amazing verse. It is for the sake of freedom that Jesus has set us free. That's, that's what he does. And what does he want to set us free from? He wants to set us free from the limited thinking, the limited believing, the limited uh, parameters that we have put on everything. Like, think about when you're going through your week, going through your day. Think about how many times you tell yourself, oh, that's not possible. Oh, that can't happen. Oh, that's just not the way things are. That's not the way it is. That's not going to work, right? What are all of those things? All of those things are beliefs that are destroying your faith. Because faith is believing that which is not seen as though it were. Faith is believing in the things that are not before they are. Right? That's what, that's what Abraham was described as. Abraham was the man after, that, that God, that, that believed in a God that called things that were not as though they were. Everything that has been created, every circumstance, situation, and solid thing on this planet that has been created started with a thought. It started with an energy from a thought. When, when, when Chris was up here and he was talking about how do you bless your finances, right? How do you bless your family? How do you bless? Here's how you bless. I'm, because How many of you are confused a little bit about this whole concept of blessing? How do you bless something? Anybody besides me? Because I did a lot of research because I was very confused. Y'all don't want to admit it? That's fine. That's okay. Maybe I'm just the slow one in the room. That's fine. But I'm the one with the microphone, so... God likes the slow people. (laughs) Any slow people in the room? Come on, give me a hallelujah. Okay, all right. What does it mean to bless? Here's what it means. You have in you the essence of God and who God is. 
In other words, you have the energy of God in you. You are made in the image of God. You are a replica, a, re, a representation of God who created you. And when you take that energy, when you are connected to that source, and it's flowing to you and through you, and you release that blessing, you release that energy, you release that love onto another person or to a thing or whatever it is, you are releasing something that is tangible you are releasing something that is powerful what's the opposite of a blessing a curse how many of you have been afraid of curses at some point in your life you're like oh no don't curse me you know she's a witch she might curse me you know well listen if we can believe on the negative side why can't we believe on the positive side and if we can believe that curses are powerful, and that curses are effectual, that they can actually do something, then why can't we believe that the God who is all powerful, over all, in all, and through all, who gives us the opportunity to do the antithesis of the curse, which is the blessing, how much more can we release blessing into the lives of the people around us? Come on, it's not just a, oh, bless you, little child, right? It's just not, it's not a pat on the head. It is, a, it is a punch to the face of the enemy who is trying to take people down all around you. And when we bring blessing, when we release blessing, we are releasing, uh, come on, I'm, I'm seeing some X-Men character in my, like, you know, come on. I don't know who that, who's the one that, that does the thing where he goes, he puts his hands together and it creates this big fireball and then he releases it. Is that a character? If not, somebody should create that. It is a character. I just don't know the name. Anyway, what does it mean? What does it mean to be set free? What it means to be set free is to step into your power. It means to step into your blessing. It means to step into the flow of that which God is releasing from heaven to earth and, and, and using your essence, using your existence, your presence to release his presence into the presence of the enemy who has to then go. When we release light into darkness, the darkness must flee. Come on. And you are the light of the world. You, you see, one of the things that I think is so important to understand is that the Bible uses anthropomorphic language, which means, that big word means, to take something inanimate and give it human characteristics, right? To bring something, like, so we say, we, we even sang it in the words of the song. We sing it in a lot of words of the song. The cross has set me free, right? Well, how did two sticks nailed together in a, in a pattern, how did that set me free? It's not, right? But it's what happened on that cross. And then we personify, we, 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 we take what happened there and we speak about it in a way to understand what flowed through it. There was energy that was flowing through that. And when, we, and when we get a hold of that language and we start to understand the deeper meaning of it, right? It's, it's not just creative, flowery language. It's, it's the meaning that flows through the universe from God's throne to us so that we can release that same energy into the world. It's how healing happens. It's how miracles, signs, and wonders happen. It's how prophecy happens. It's how knowledge and wisdom happens. It's how the fruits of the Spirit are, are, are born, are, are produced through us. The peace and the patience, the love, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control. It is the release of God's power that flows from on high to us and through us into the world around us. And you are the dispenser of that. You, you are the carrier of that. You, you are the, listen, we, we've, we've seen in our world over the last several months, we, we, we walk around with masks and we can't stay six feet apart because we're afraid that that person might be a carrier of something, right? A, a, an invisible enemy that we can't see and we don't know until we see the evidence of it. We see the manifestation of it when someone 
you know, can't breathe or starts coughing and those kinds of things. Then we see we're seeing the manifestation of that which they are carrying with them. And if we get too close to them, we might pick up what they're carrying. Well, I got a question for you. What are you manifesting in the world? What are you releasing into the world? And if people get too close to you, what might they catch from you? Might they catch some love, some peace, some kindness? Might they catch some healing and some miracles and some prophecy, a word from the Lord? What what might they catch from you? Because that's the carrier that we are. That's who we are in the kingdom. And that's who we are for the kingdom here on earth. You see, because we are not of the earth. We are in it, but we're not of it. We are aliens and strangers here. We're not supposed to be here. If you're in Christ, it means you're not supposed to be in here. You're not supposed to be in the world. You weren't created for this world. But you were sent here. Come on. You were sent here. When, When I was in the army, I was sent to Iraq. I'm not from Iraq. I'm not supposed to be in Iraq. Right? That is... A God-forsaken place, and I don't want to go back there, but I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not judging any Iraqi people, but there's a lot of sand there. I'm not a sand kind of guy. What's funny is, out of almost 11 years in the army, we spent almost all of that in the sand somewhere. But what happened? Well, a tyrannical dictator rose to power took over the people, began to oppress the people, began to mistreat and and destroy, kill still and destroy the people of that land. And the United States and the the rest of the world said, oh no, that's not going to work for us. We're not going to deal with that. And so the allied forces were deployed from another land into a foreign land that they were not citizens of so that they could shut down and destroy the works of Saddam Hussein. Come on. That's what you are, Christian. You have been sent here from the kingdom of God to shut down and destroy the works of the devil who is here to only kill, steal, and destroy. But we have come to release life into this place in Jesus' name, who is our authority. You see, when I pulled the trigger over there in the desert, I wasn't pulling the trigger under my authority. I was pulling the, the trigger under the authority of the United States and the allied forces that had agreed that enemy has to go. Come on. When you release the word of God into the atmosphere, when you release the blessing, when you release the energy of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit into the world, you're not releasing anything that is of your authority. You're releasing that which has come to you and through you from the Holy Spirit and the authority of the throne in heaven. That's who you are. That's your identity. That's why we matter here on this planet. You see, the more Christians shrink back from that, hide from that, ignore that, or not courageous enough to step into that identity, the more irrelevant we become to the world around us. I believe this is a time that God is saying, hey, listen, you know all that comfort and and, and, and comfy stuff that you've been enjoying all this time? I'm going to take it away so that the real saints can rise up and start stepping back into the authority of the identity of Jesus Christ who has sent me under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit so that we can change this world once again for the kingdom." So that we can shut down the works of the devil and we can shut down what he is doing because that's why we're here. We are an occupying force. That's who we are. You say, no, I got saved just so I could go to heaven. No, no, you didn't. You see, the thing about it is you are already in heaven. You are already in heaven. God sent you here and at some point you realized he's calling me. Because no one comes to the Father unless he is called. And those who are called that recognize his voice, they recognize his voice because it's a familiar voice that sent you here to begin with. And he sent you here on mission, on purpose. Come on. Okay. Felt like I got quiet all of a sudden. What happened? My batteries are dead. My batteries aren't dead. 
All right. That's good. That's good. Uh, I mean, <laughs> thanks, TJ. All right. Can you hear me now? Check one, two. Maybe it's my voice box. Am I, am, like, I'm still here, right? I have green lights all around, but no audio. This, here, here's the thing. <laughs> Those who are listening online, you read lips. <laughs> Check one, two. Huh? Oh, good. All right, well, whatever is happening, the enemy doesn't want you to hear this. Because whatever is happening, I want you to understand that, 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 there's a, that there is a battle happening. There's a battle raging. And that battle is for your freedom. Every battle is for freedom. Come on. The battle we fought in Iraq was for the freedom of the Iraqi and Kuwaiti people. The, the battle that we're fighting in Afghanistan right now is for the freedom of the Afghani people. Right? When we go as a foreign force into another land, we're fighting for the freedom of the people of that land. And we from the kingdom have come into the earth to fight for the freedom of the people of the earth. Come on. So when... <laughs> I haven't made it past my title slide. Please go to the next one. Let's go. Come on. I'm having a good time. Can I get, can I, there we go. All right, so interruption. What's an interruption? A temporary break in what you are doing when your microphone stops working, right? It's an interruption. But listen, what's a disruption? What is a disruption? A disruption is a major altering moment that leaves things very different than they were before. I want this moment, I want this service, I want this sermon this morning to be a disruption in your life that you came in here just minding your own business, doing your own thing and not worrying about anything, and you walked out of here on mission, on purpose, under the authority of the king of, of heaven sent into the world to undo the works of the devil. That's why you showed up this morning if you didn't know. That's what a disruption is. But what blocks us from experiencing the disruption? I, I want to I talk to you today. Uh, can I give the next slide there? The, the, is interruption leads to frustration. Remember we talked about frustration is the dis, dis, distance between where you think you should be, your, your, your expectation, and where you actually are, your reality. And the further your expectation is from your reality, the more frustrated you're going to be, right? Are you following me? And so what happens when we get frustrated is we change our view. We start to look small. We start to look inward. We start to look, oh, poor me, and what's happening to me, and how can I? And then we get angry and bitter and re outraged and all of these things because that's what's happening. But listen, what does a disruption do? A disruption leads to freedom, right? We've, we've said through this, Cody said the first week, that a disruption leads to innovation. It may leads to us doing something different. Last week I said disruption leads to transformation. It leads to being transformed from what I once was to what God wants me to be. And this week I want to talk to you about this. Disruption leads to freedom. It leads to freedom from yourself. It, re it leads to freedom from your own limitations. Can you still hear me? When we understand that we are dealing with the, the, a disruption that is going to lead to our ultimate freedom, that God wants to set us free and release us into the world filled with His power, with His Spirit, filled with the with the grace and the peace that comes from God, filled with the gifts and the spirit that, that he wants to release on the planet. That is where we find our freedom. But there's one thing that gets in the way of that freedom, and that thing is called sin. I'm going to talk to you about sin today. Sin is a nasty thing. I want to, I want to look at this passage of Scripture, Romans Romans 6, 11 through 14, I'm just going to read the whole thing and then we're going to unpack it real quick, okay? 
Are you with me? Everybody still okay? Okay. All right. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let any sin reign in your mortal body so that you, uh, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of your, uh, yourself to sin as, in, uh, as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Whew. Next slide, please. That is a powerful piece of scripture right there. That is a powerful, powerful piece of scripture. You are no longer under the law, but under grace. Now, I, I want to I talk to you about a couple of different things because the, the word sin in scripture is actually, um, it, it actually has about 15 different Greek words that it comes from. I'm trying to get something, I can't reach it. There's about 15 different Greek words that we translate into one word in English called sin. Which means, if they had 15 words for it, whoo, there I am. If they had 15 words for it, and I have, and we have one word for it, we might be missing some meaning in our one little word that they have for, come on, are you, are you with me? Which microphone is working, both of them, or can I put this one down? Huh? Okay. All right. Yeah, the, 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 I, I don't remember the exact number, but Eskimos, I, I think it's like 50 or 60 words that people that live in, in Alaska have for, for the word snow, right? Because they understand snow very, very well, right? They know every little nuance of, about snow, and they have a different word for every different kind that there is. We just got one word. It's snow, right? It's white, falling from the sky, snow, period. When we think about sin, when we think about this thing called sin, we have to think differently than we always have because what we typically are taught about sin is sin is simply breaking the rules, right? Sin is simply not doing, uh, doing the wrong thing or not doing the right thing. And that's even maybe a stretch for some people in their definition of what sin is. But the truth is, sin is much more nuanced than that. And, and, and what happens when we have too narrow a focus when we think about the definition of sin is that, is that we become one thing or the other. I just went away again, I think. It don't matter. One thing or another, we either become an antinomian, right? An antinomianism, which means lawlessness. We are anti-law and rules. We don't pay attention to law and rules. Or we go the other directions, which is where most Christians go, and that is to legalism, right? So we got two different things on, on, uh, out there on the spectrums, right? Uh, on, the, on the extremes. We have antinomianism, no rules at all. And we have legalism, all rules all the time, right? And, and, and then we use those two things to judge one another, right? If we're, it, it, another way to think of antinomianism is called hypergrace, right? Hypergrace says... I can just do anything I want. The rules don't matter. What I do don't matter. If I obey, don't matter. Grace covers it all, right? Grace, my grace is sufficient is the verse that we use to describe that. Well, you need to read the rest of the chapter if you're going to read that. But at the same time, we can't say, well, if I, as long as I keep all the rules, as long as I keep the rules and do the right thing, then God will bless me. God will love me. God will accept me. And I will be better than you. Right? That's legalism. So what happened? Where do we go from there? What, what is the answer if those two extremes are not the answer? Here's the answer. The answer is grace. And grace has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the personification of grace. And when we understand the magnitude, the, the magnitude of grace then all of a sudden sin has a completely different 
perspective. We have a completely different perspective and definition of what sin is. Now, I, I, I wrote down some Greek words, and I was going to wow you with some, you know, Greek stuff that I don't really know. I just copied it out of a book that I have, and, and, and so I, I don't care about that. We can, we can talk about the different words that, that in the Bible sin is, you know, is described as. We, we, we um, planio, planio is wandering away to be deceived or to err or to stray like a sheep going astray. That's one of the Greek words that we interpret sin. Another one is hamartano. To miss the mark. That's the one that we use a lot, right? We do, to miss the mark. To miss the... And it's not to... It's not like, well, I was trying to hit the mark. I was trying to shoot this arrow, but, but you know, the wind caught it, or my aim was a little off, and, I, and I'm, that's, not, that's not what that means. It's not an accidental I missed the mark. It's an intentional, I know I'm supposed to shoot here, but I'm shooting up here today. That's what that means. That's what sin is, right? So when we, when we begin to understand sin from a different perspective, how are we to look at it? Well, here are three ways to experience freedom. And the way I want you to experience freedom is through a better understanding of this word sin. Are you with me? All right. So first verse we read earlier. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, right? Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So right there, he's separating the two. What is, what is sin and what is Christ Jesus, right? They're opposite to each other. They're the opposites of each other. Because if you're dead to one and alive to the other, you're opposite. If you are alive and dead, those two things are opposite to each other, right? So, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Its evil desires. Because just as grace is a person and has a name, Jesus Christ, sin is a person and has a name, Lucifer, Satan, the devil. Come on. And when we call things by name, they then all of a sudden we can handle them in a different way, right? When you understand that grace is Jesus Christ, now when you experience grace, you are experiencing the relationship and flow of, of the one who pours and lavishes grace upon you. When you understand that sin is the devil, now you can reject the person. Now you can reject the personification of that thing called sin, right? So, next slide. What do we do? Sin wants to control you. Sin wants to control your desires. Sin wants to control the thoughts and the, and the things that you want. Because if I can control the things that you want, right? Come on. Like we live, we live near Maple Donuts, right? And, 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 and I'm pretty sure that there is a conspiracy in Maple Donuts that they have big giant fans coming out the back of their place where they bake the donuts so that they can just put that waft out there in the air, if you will. Because any time that you drive by there, you just all of a sudden want a donut. I'm just donut, Right? What happened? You smelled the donuts, right? You smelled, it changed your desire, right? I was on my way to have a salad and then I have donut, right? My desire got changed because of the senses that are in me and when the devil can use your senses against you, when he can use the things that change your desire, he can change your behavior, Right? Look at, look at this verse in the Psalms. In the Psalms it says, take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You see, it's about taking delight in Him that causes me to formulate different desires in me. 
When, when I surround myself and, and I'm constantly stimulating myself with things that I know are not of God, then I'm not delighting in the Lord. I'm delighting in the flesh. I'm delighting in the world. I'm delighting in the things that, and that is going to transform my desires into something that I don't actually want. So when I surround myself with the things of God, when I delight in the Lord, when I go to His Word with a delightful attitude, with a hungry and thirsty attitude, all of a sudden I'm being fed, I'm being filled, and and I'm being changed, and I want more, and I want more, and I want more, because my desire has changed. The next verse back in Romans says this, Romans 13, it says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Of righteousness. Now, there, there is a word in, in the Greek that means righteousness. That, I'm sorry, uh, the, a word for sin that actually means righteousness or the antithesis of, the opposite of. It's adikia is the Greek word in case you want to know. Nobody cares, right? But that's what it is. And all it really means is this. It means the opposite of, of righteousness, which means both righteousness and justice. It means that when we live in this kind of sin, it is to do wrong or to wrong someone. When we do wrong or wrong someone, we are living in unrighteousness, right? We are living in adikia because dikios, if you will, is to live in righteousness. And you put an A at the beginning of that in any Greek word and it changes it to the opposite. Right? Just like in English, we put UN at the beginning of any word and it changes it to the opposite. Well, when we're living in the opposite of righteousness, when we're living in the opposite of justice, when we're living in the opposite of what we, of, of what we know is right, and we all know what is right, right? You don't have to read the Bible to know what is right. The Bible talks a lot about the law of God. The law of God is not about necessarily just the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is a tiny little synopsis of more than six in the, in the Old Testament, but thousands. But they all come down to this. Jesus was asked one time, what is the greatest commandment? Like if I just want to cover this one, I just want a good umbrella commandment. What's the one that I need to, that I need to hold on to? What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is the same, just like it. Love his image bearers the way you love yourself. Love others the way you love yourself. Why, do the, why those two commandments? Because here's what it boils down to. Is that if you love and worship and are grateful and thankful to the God of the universe and the creator of all things and the sustainer of everything and you live in that gratitude and you live in that expectancy of his love on you and you, you live in, in that, that relationship and that flow of who he is uh, just pouring it out onto us every single day and, and acknowledging him in all all of our ways and seeing what he's done for us, that the sun shines to give us warmth and heat and light, and, and that he turns it off half of the day so we can get some rest and sleep. And, and so he gives us water and he gives us air and he gives us everything that we need. Everything we need is given as a gift that is, that is the manifestation of God's love for us. And when we just love him back for that, when we just reciprocate that love back to him, then sin goes away, right? Sin just goes away. I no longer need to be selfish. I no longer need to be uh, jealous and angry and bitter and resentful. I no longer need to, listen, I mean, what have I received? What did I do to receive all that I get to receive every single day? I didn't do anything. So who am I to hold someone else accountable for receiving something from them? I don't. I just live in the freedom. Grace is sufficient. 
And if I love others the way that I love myself, then I will not lie to them. And I will not cheat them. And I will not murder them. And I will not do anything to hurt them. I will, I will serve them. And I will, and I will share the love that I'm receiving from the Father with the people around me. And, and all of the rule books just go out the window then. Because if we're all living in perfect love, why do we need rules to protect us? You see, we need rules and law to protect us from sin. But if sin has been shut down, then the rules and law are no longer necessary. But the rules and law are given because there is sin in the world, right? Because it is here, and it's given to us once again as grace from God so that we can now know how to live in the fullness of those first two commandments that Jesus said, love God and love each other. The rest of the law is just commentary on those two. Right? Next slide, please. So number two, sin wants to control your actions. If you can control your desires, then you can control what you do with your body and every part of you. In Romans 7, I believe that Paul writes this as commentary to Romans 6. And, and, and a lot of us, have, if you're familiar with the Bible, you've probably seen Romans 7, and you've probably heard of it. And, and a lot of times we look at it and we, and we think, yeah, that's, that's how I feel. And we justify ourselves in feeling that way, when in fact, this is not justification to feel a certain way. This is evidence that we have changed, that we have transformed, and that we have been set free. Well, listen to what he says. The Apostle Paul talking about this, writing commentary on this law and, and love and grace thing. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Now, he's talking about himself from the perspective of his flesh. <laughs> I feel like I need to put professor hat on for a second and teach you a little bit. You are made up of three pieces. You are a trinity of your own, right? You are made up of flesh, soul, and spirit. Your innermost person, your innermost, the place where you cannot lie to, you, to yourself, that place, that part of you that is made in the exact image of God, in the replication of God, is your spirit, Right? That is where you connect with God. You connect with God through your spirit. It is the innermost part of you. The middle layer of you is the part that is being saved or not. It's called your soul. It's why we talk about saving our soul, going soul winning, right? It's about saving that middle part of you. This is where thoughts happen. This is where emotions happen, where feelings happen, where, where we experience the world internally, right? It's that place where you talk to yourself all day long. That's your soul. And then there is the flesh. And the flesh is the part of you that is a part of this fleshly world that is a part of this earthly world that is outside around us, right? And, and so I, I, I've talked about it many times that God's desire is that we live from the inside out, not the outside in. Because wherever you flow from, right, if you have a river, let's say, let's say we have this big, huge uh, factory up here that's, that's making a lot of pollutants, right? It's making a lot of a pollution. And, and there's a river that's flowing from where that factory is, and it's going through there, picking up all those pollutants and bringing them down into town. And then from in town, it's bringing it into your sink, and you're drinking those pollutants, right? You are living from the factory to the town into your sink, and you're drinking all of that pollutant, right? But if you could flip that around and put the town up top where you receive your water from, right? Where, where you are the source of the, of, of the purity of it. And then it flows down. The pollutants down there doesn't affect you. It's on the outside of you. Are, are you following me? It, it, it's, it's, it's beyond you. 
And that's what happens when we live, see if we live from the, from the outside in, we're looking at the world around us, we're asking the world around us, how am I supposed to feel, how am I supposed to think, what am I supposed to do, how am I supposed to act, and I'm giving myself over as a slave to sin. Because this world is a sinful, contaminated place. And when I'm living from that place, the contaminants are coming in. And they come in through my flesh, and then they infiltrate my soul. And so in my soul, now I'm thinking sinful thoughts. Now I'm thinking bad, I'm thinking fear, and I'm thinking all of these horrible, right? You you follow me? And what does that do? This shuts down my spirit. It calluses over my spirit, what what the Bible would call a heart. Right? Your heart and spirit in the scripture are the same thing. And he says, do not let your hearts be calloused. In other words, don't let the contamination of the world around you come in through your flesh, come contaminate your soul, and callous over and harden your heart. That's a process that happens. I've lived through that process. I know it very well. But when I connect to God... From my spirit, now all of a sudden, I am connected to the ultimate source of all flow of energy and power. And he is flowing to me through the Holy Spirit into my spirit. And when the flow comes into my spirit, now I live from the inside out. And so what washes into my soul now is pure, uncontaminated power and energy from the Lord. And through that power and energy, it pushes out through my flesh and it protects me from the things of this world. I'm no longer of this world. I'm in it, but not of it, because I have this protection that's flowing to me and through me. It's like the, it's like the, the Starship Enterprise, right? I have the shields up, Scotty, right? Where, does the, where do those protective shields come from? They come from the core of the Starship Enterprise. They come from the power, and when they start running out of power, what happens? When the core starts to die in the Starship, uh, any Trekkies in here? I I am not one of you, but I know this much. I watch Captain Kirk, right? Y'all like, who's Captain Kirk? I don't know that. Anyway, when that core starts to lose its power, what happens to the shields? They start getting staticky, right? They They start to break down, and they start to allow enemy forces to come in. When we lose our connection with God and our spirit begins to die, it begins to, to, to lose its power and, and the flow through our soul, it starts to, starts to back off and starts to you know, wane and, and back up. And, and we're all like, oh, I just don't feel spiritual today. I just, don't, I just don't feel like worshiping today. I just don't feel like bothering with God today. And we just start to suck in from the world. And, and, and that energy that flows from the world in begins to shut us down. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate I do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Next slide, please. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have The desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. Do you hear what he's saying? He said it twice at the end of both of those passages. It is the sin that is, in, that is living in me. In other words, if we personify that, it is the devil that I'm letting into my life to live through me rather than the Holy Spirit when I allow sin to take over. When I begin to live from the outside in rather than the inside out, I just go ahead and let the flesh take over. And do you know who controls the flesh? The devil. (laughs) 
the evil of this world. It's why in the beginning, the end of, of Ephesians, where Paul says, your, your enemy is not flesh and blood. It is the principalities and powers of this dark world that are coming in through your flesh, killing your soul and shutting down your spirit. And then you act like an enemy. So what do we do? We come as the soldiers of light. We come as the family of God. We come in the power of the Holy Spirit living from the inside out. And we release the light into the world. We are the light in the darkness. We are the city on the hill that lights up the place so that the enemy must retreat. <laughs> come on. are you? Next slide, please. Romans 14, last one. For, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are now under law, not under law, but under grace. You are, let, let me just personify that for you. You are now, for the devil shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the rules that he's using to blackmail you with, but you are under Jesus Christ, the personification of grace, who said those rules, those laws, those regulations, those crimes that were committed, I paid for them on the cross. You have been set free and released to live the life of freedom that I came so you could have. Come on. This is why... We as believers have to live victorious lives. We can't shrink back. We are not those who shrink back and die, Peter says. We are those who step up and live in the victory that he has given us. Last point, sin wants to be your master. But you can't have two masters, right? You, you just can't. And so when, when Peter in Acts chapter 2 was talking about Jesus and describing who he was and what he's done, when he described him, he said, this Jesus whom you crucified has become both Lord and Master. Same word. Because Jesus is the ultimate Master. He is the one. Because of grace, we have been set free. We are released into the life that he has called us to. And so, one more passage from Romans, and then I'll, I'm done, I promise. Anybody having fun? Anybody having fun with this? I'm just having the greatest time in the world. It's like Disneyland to me. Back to Romans 7. This is how the Apostle Paul finishes out his commentary on this understanding that we've just come into. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Anybody ever felt that? I want to do what's right, but those donuts, daggone it, they smell so good. Right? I want to do good, but evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, that's your spirit, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, that's your soul, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Next slide. What a wretched man am I who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Verse 25. Let's all read it together. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is grace. That is the grace. That is the grace that sets us free from the powers and the law of sin. That is the grace that has been released into us so that we can restore, we can redeem, we can reclaim that what the, the enemy has taken from us. It is ours in Jesus' name. Come on. What is the enemy taken away from you? Take it back in the authority of the grace that is Jesus Christ, your Lord. That's what it means. That's what it means. So, disruptions. Has anybody been disrupted this morning? Have I, have I, have I successfully disrupted anything? And here's what it, like, you might have come in here this morning, you might have felt like, ugh. I just don't feel very spiritual. 
I just don't feel very religious. I just don't feel very connected to God. I just don't, I feel kind of burnt out and dry. I just feel kind of worn, right? Come on. Anybody besides me? I'm just confessing to you now. Because, because when we get to that place, that dry and thirsty land, what do we do there? We look for the living water. We look for that which brought us out of it to begin with. We return to our first love. He is grace. His name is Jesus. We're going to celebrate communion together. When we celebrate communion together, we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate who He is and what He's done for us. And not just what He has done, but what He is doing and what He will do for us. Because just as the cross becomes the anthropomorphic idea of our salvation that on this cross we were saved. When we join into Jesus and Jesus joins into us, we are one. He in the Father and the Father and He in us. That's why He gave us His body to be reminded so that when we take this bread, we remember that we are one, joined together in holy unity, never to be broken apart. Receive the body of Christ. Jesus became from the Spirit, a human being. So that as a human being, he could give himself up as the sacrifice for all human beings. And by doing so, he had to have blood in him. Because all human beings, all, all living things have blood in them. And it's that living blood that came from the Father, that has the power, it's uncontaminated, right? Human blood is contaminated. We carry within us all the things that have happened to us in our past and the past of our ancestors. We carry that in our blood, in our DNA, we carry that with us. But Jesus did not carry that with him. You see, Jesus' Father is the Father. That's why he had to be virgin born. is just mind-boggling. But he had to have pure, uncontaminated blood from the Father so that when we receive his blood, replacing our blood, come on, his life replacing our life, that life is now uncontaminated. Receive the blood of Christ. Would you stand? Whew. I only get to preach one time these days, so I got to get as much as I can. Is this for me? It's more for me than it is for you, I promise. But I just want you to understand that when we connect with God, when we gather together here in this room or online, as we, as we plug in and we realize that God is spirit, he is everywhere. He's not just somewhere, he is everywhere. And being everywhere, he is in all and through all. And he is with all and he is with you. So I just speak to your spirit right now. I'm going to speak right on through your flesh. I'm going to just shoot right on through your soul. And I'm going to speak to your spirit. That part of you that is hungry and thirsty for God, even if it's been calloused over a little bit, I'm going to speak the words of God that you would change the heart of stone to a heart of flesh, that you would make that heart soft and supple and receptive of all that God is and all the flow of the love and grace of God that flows to us in Jesus Christ. That is our prayer. Father, 
Help us to experience you, the flow and power of who you are, the cleansing, washing of your blood coming over us, restoring us and lifting us up and resurrecting us power to undo the works of the enemy and to shut down sin in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. Without you, the work we do at Connection Christian Church wouldn't be possible. If you would like to give online, please visit c3christianchurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment and subscribe and please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.